This podcast was recorded at 11 a.m. on Thursday morning. It covers events up until that time. I am resolved that no misrepresentations, falsehoods, or calumny shall make me swerve from what I conceive to be the strict line of my duty. The words of President George Washington. And this is The Guardians of the Republic. Hello, I'm Patrick Murray from the Monmouth University Poll, and my co-host is Ian Kahn from the TV series Turn, Washington Spies. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to see how the Republic has been challenged this week. We'll have our hot takes, and as always, our Guardian of the Week. But we're going to be starting with your new poll that just came out. Patrick, what did we learn? Well, it's all about impeachment. And I was not the only poll out there uh, that was uh, asking about impeachment. In fact, I think almost every pollster uh, has rushed into the field with a new poll. But our poll has a lot more context because we can go back for two years here. Uh, So what we found is that 44 percent of Americans right now support impeaching and removing Donald Trump from office. That's impeaching and removing. So that's not for the impeachment inquiry alone. This is like the full, we're going for the full meal here. We're going to impeach him and we're going to remove him 44%. Who is against, what are the numbers against? So now still 52% against. So there's still more against that. But that 44% number, and this is what a lot of other polls are showing, is higher than it was a month ago. So a month ago is only 36%. Okay, so that, but that's for, that's for taking it again for the full, like the full, the whole kahuna. Right. You know, what about for just the impeachment But I do want to say something about that number because everybody's saying, oh, it jumped. But you got to remember that 44% that we're showing right now is not far off from where we've had it at other times in the past. This is why I was saying Mammoth is unique in that we have a two-year trend so that we can say that this is not new, folks. There are times in the Trump presidency where that number hit 41 or 42%. Okay. Okay, so... You know, so let's let's take that with a grain of salt right now, whether how higher it is or not. And but what I'm evolving. interested in is how what what are the numbers for just for the impeachment inquiry, which is all that, that the House is, is talking about. That's in, that's key. So we've we have that as well. So we started asking that a little over a month ago. So that number has jumped from 43 percent to 49 percent who say yes. Start looking into this, even if it doesn't lead to impeachment. It's now's the time to start an impeachment inquiry. Now, what is the percentage? What is the percentage of people who are against the inquiry? So now that is below forty three percent. So we've seen a flip. Got it. So 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 we now have a plurality who say, "Yeah, go ahead and move ahead with this inquiry," because now's the time to look into it. Now, do you think because, you know, Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff did not know this at the time when they made that move because those numbers hadn't moved yet. And this goes back to the idea that I've had for a while about moving through the impeachment process is going to lift that number. How high did it jump just in the last month, would you say, just on an impeachment inquiry? I I think it jumped from uh, just two weeks ago. I think it was at its low point. And, and the reason why it was so low over the summer, this is why people were saying, well, there's a big jump. But it, it started trending lower over the summer because we were getting closer to 2020. Mm-hmm. That's right. And and people, voters out there who said, I really don't want Donald Trump as president. I'd like to get him out. But now we're so close to 2020 that having an impeachment hearing on the sure. stuff that we had known, known at the time would just muddy the, those waters and let's just focus on 2020. The Ukraine thing changed everything. In fact... I did a, a poll, talked about this, I think, last week in New Jersey about the political calculations for those 
the, those uh, representatives who were in those flipped districts in 2018. The, the, uh-huh. They flipped them to blue, uh, and they were worried about the independent voters in their districts who say, don't go. I, I will take a dim view if you go after impeachment right now, because that is just that's not what I sent you to Congress to do. And we had that poll coming out just as the Ukraine story was breaking. And Nancy Pelosi was actually giving a speech to New Jersey Democrats, in fact, where we were doing this poll and responding to. So they knew that the numbers out there when the impeachment inquiry lost was launched were not on their side necessarily. Not yet. Right. At that point. But, but they did have the foresight to say this is going to change the calculus. Well, I don't even I, I hope that's not even part of their their, their own calculation was well, that they would say to be, though, Patrick, well, I, it okay. has to be. They well, no, do- no. Let me back up. Let me back up and say this. I say I hope uh, obviously behind closed doors. I would assume it's part of their calculation. But at the end of the day, you have to hope that when they said we're going forward with an impeachment inquiry now, it was regardless of. What public right. opinion okay. says now, what public opinion might say in the future, because it yes, is the right I, thing to do. In, indeed, but I do think that Pelosi has been holding the line. He, she's been holding this line for, you know, ever since the 2018 elections when she got the, the, the gavel back, sort of saying, no, this is not the right time. And she made clear that public support is not behind it. I think that Pelosi and Schiff and the rest of the committee members really like made a point of saying, you know, I think this is going to start tipping the scale. Yeah. Of public opinion, I, yeah, for the I think for the right reason, yeah, yeah, okay, right. yeah, for the right but, reason because because it was different. This was new information that was qualitative different than any of the other information that we had gotten before. What is interesting about public opinion as it developed over last week was how partisan tribalism just really emerged from this. One of the questions I asked in that poll that we did at Monmouth University was, did Donald Trump mention? the possibility of an investigation into Biden when he talked to the Ukrainian president. Now, that was the question. Did he even mention it? I didn't, not characterization of whether he was putting pressure or not. Did he mention it? And you still have a significant number, over 40% of Republicans who say, no, no, he didn't mention it. No, 40% of, over 40% of Republicans or over 40% of people said Re- he Republicans. Of Republicans. Okay, yes, well, then that means over 50% of Republicans said, yeah, I think he probably did mention it. Yes, but by the same token, we're talking about we, we actually uh, drilled down to Republicans who said that they've actually been following this a lot. Mm-hmm. They've been paying close attention. So that means if you've been paying close attention, I think we can assume <laughs> that you understood that the White House put out a transcript in which it is it's crystal very clear clearly. that Donald Trump wow. mentioned okay. the idea of an investigation. I and you still have saying. Republicans saying, nah, he no, didn't he say didn't. that. He yes, didn't say but that. But you know what? I was just hanging out with some very smart people who didn't know who Jason Kander or Andrew Gillum or Stacey yeah, no, Abrams I, I said that, that. That's So, I mean, you know, it, it, sometimes, you know, if, if you're not so politically adept and you're not paying that close of attention, you know, you could conceivably miss that or say, well, you know, that's just the fake news media or, or as President Trump is now calling it, the corrupt news media. Um, yeah, but, we, yeah, but the, again, I, I, understand, <laughs> I understand when people I, I understand are, are, are not, not paying attention and you say, okay, you're not paying attention, therefore you're just going to interpret whatever you think. Okay, so this, what, is, this is people who say they're paying attention. These are Republicans who say, yeah, I've been paying close attention to this. That means you've heard that the transcript was out there and still half of them say, ah, I don't think that. that was in there. I don't think, I don't Le- think that. Anyway, less than half. Know. Okay, so All to right, wrap so, up. To wrap up on the polls, what what is the overall idea that you came away with in this past week? The overall idea is that support for an inquiry is increasing. 
with mm-hmm. this new evidence that it's worth uh, it's worth looking into. But as more information comes in, we're going to see more partisan digging in to saying, nah, that didn't happen or that did happen simply based on your pre-existing partisan inclinations and not on the evidence itself. And that is going to be the challenge for the House Democratic leadership as they go down the path of this inquiry. Which leads us very quickly into our next topic, which is, as always, how is the republic being challenged this week? So I'm going to ask you, Patrick, about Ukraine. Why is this time different? Okay, so looking at the public opinion, why is this different? Is that there is a smoking gun here in the White House transcript that what the Democrats claim happened actually did happen. The question is, the context in which it happened. But more importantly than just simply Donald Trump saying something about going, looking into a political enemy or asking a foreign leader to look into a political enemy is that it also involved a national security probe. It involved, yeah. also involved the Secretary of State. It also involved uh, people being involved like Rudy Giuliani who should not have access to public policy. Uh, and it also involved a whistleblower following the process of checks and balances and potentially being stomped down. So you have all those different elements together in one story, which is very easy for people to grasp, mm-hmm. unlike some of these other stories that have come out before. Yeah, and and you I know, think I that's remember what makes this different. Back when the head of intelligence was last week was sitting in front of Congress, and I remember Adam Schiff really digging into this question about the whistleblower. And I was like, well, why does it matter now whether the whistle? Because now we have all this information. But I think what really kind of started this impeachment process was the idea that the whistleblower's account was being squashed. Right. You know, that was that was sort of the beginning of sort of like, no, you can't, you're not allowed to do that. So what do you think the next steps in right. this process are going to be? And, and where are the pitfalls? We've already seen some pitfalls already starting. So what do you see as the next steps in these process? All right. So I think you have to be careful. Uh, that, that's my feeling is that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think how it was orig- initially launched last week with the House Intelligence Committee Um, did not really help us understanding the facts of the case and and what all is out there. I think there are many tentacles to this that that have to be looked in, but I am very much of the mind that the initial part of this process should be done behind closed doors, should be done with counsel asking key witnesses Mm -hmm. what was going on. Members of Congress uh, on these committees should just stay out of it. And, it's hard. And, and it's hard to, to tell. It's hard to tell people, Congress people who have been, you know, waiting to get on these committees their entire career. They're finally there. The light is shining on them, and then you know, yep. the, the the Democrats say you're not going to get a chance to speak. And and it would be the right and wise choice. It's sort of like in a baseball, this is where kind of being a guardian team. of the republic comes mm-hmm. in. Well, and it's it's absolutely desperate. Now, getting to this. Who do you You're think You're saying something take, about a baseball team. Well, that's so, all right. But it, that's who should take the... Well, all right. I, what I was going to say was, is like, if you could have any hitter in your lineup come up to bat and ask these questions, and you could choose, why don't you have your absolute best hitter, which will be the counsel? We saw that right. in the Lewin, the, the Corey Lewandowski um, hearing, where, right. you know, the, the 
the, the Congress people were asking their questions. Lewandowski was slapping them away, slapping them away and laughing at them as he did. But then when you got him with a counsel for those last 30 minutes, Lewandowski was just cemented to his chair and was just back on his heels and answering questions in a way, the questions were, were asked in a way that we actually got somewhere. So I think that, you know, we, 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 we encourage Republicans all the time to speak out where they see problems. And we say that's a way to be a guardian of the Republic right now. And I think what you're saying, and I agree with you is that it's incumbent upon the Democrats right now to look beyond their own personal political situation and their opportunity to make a name for themselves and and let the council do their job right because that's that's how Nixon got taken down was with a council not with not with senators and congressmen that's not what took him down right so that's part one part two is how broad should this inquiry go it shouldn't it should we should stay it should stay very narrow in my opinion well like, keep, I, I think keep I have to define simple. I think you have to define what narrow is because as I as I said at the top here what makes this different is how many different aspects of constitutional okay, norms it, and behavior keep it with Ukraine is what I'm saying don't don't yeah. start talking about you know the the migrant camps on the southern border right, you right. know you can one could but don't you but know, it's possible, this is what I'm thinking, it's possible that if you dig into the Ukraine, you might also end up uh, uncovering something <laughs> relating yeah. to Donald Trump's children's business interests yeah. somewhere and pressure, similar pressure being, I mean, yeah, maybe that's, like a similar case where pressure was put on, in this case, not to investigate uh, your political foe's family, but to help your own family. I'm, and I'm just, we don't know anything that, that may not exist out there. I'm not alleging that exists. I'm just using that as a hypothetical of something that could be turned up once you start down this path of saying, well, we have to look into the national security things. Because there's already once reports, you start, right? Yeah, but there's once you start going down that, that Putin, path, yep. 2020 is going to be filled with impeachment. Yeah. And that's not something that the Democrats should want. Because it's the chances of the Senate actually kicking Donald Trump out are low. So we don't necessarily want to see the Democratic nominee. We want the the face of the Democratic Party to be the Democratic nominee. Not, and this is going to move us to the next thought about this, is who should take the lead on this? Like, who is the face of this experience? It seemed to me that, you know, Schiff, being a Harvard Law School grad, young, strong, really strong presence on television was the best choice, right? I, I got that from Pelosi's point of view. However, as we talked about on the show last week, his choice to sort of freelance and go jazz there yeah. at the top was a huge mistake because it opened the door, as we feared, for Trump to sort of point to that and say, and then when we had the Schiff experience where he was being interviewed on MSNBC and he said that he didn't have any contact with those with the whistleblower, now it's come out that he indeed did have contact with the whistleblower. Well, he didn't have direct contact, but his staff but, did have contact and he should have been clear that... Yes, he should have. That, that, the, ...that the whistleblower did contact our staff and we followed our normal procedures of of what we recommended that person to do. Uh, so I did know that there was something out there at the time. Uh, but he that didn't do that. And the yeah. rules are different, see, because yeah. President Trump can lie every day, twice on Tuesdays and a thousand times on Wednesdays. And it's sort of just like, well, yeah, he's doing it. And if a Democrat gets caught even once in one little tiny little thing, the president is a master mm-hmm. at communication and blowing things up. And that's what he's doing. And it makes me think this, right? And we have on the list, who should take the lead on this? Should it be Schiff? Should it be Nadler? Elijah Cummings? Should it be Elliot Engel? Yeah. I mean, who should it be? Okay, so let's talk about let's talk about this whole process. Okay, so the, the 
Two things. One is that the indications that are coming out of Speaker Pelosi's office and others in the House is that they want to have this wrapped up, particularly Jerry Nadler, who's the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, that they want to have the, if they're going to be articles, wrapped up by the end of this year. By the end or of Thanksgiving, December. even. Ideally. Uh, yeah. So Jerry Nadler, chair of the House Judiciary Committee. At the end, the House Judiciary Committee will make the final call on forwarding articles of impeachment to the floors of the House. So that Mm -hmm. we know that that's the process, but they might not be doing all the investigating. And right now it looks like Schiff and the Intelligence Committee are doing most of the investigation. And as you just said, and I totally agree with you, is that I think Schiff started this off really on the wrong foot, undermined his credibility with that. One of the reasons why, at this point, it's even more imperative to turn all this over to counsel. Uh, yeah, uh, right? because one would think that Schiff could be could act as that counsel because he has proven to be very effective in his questioning of, of witnesses. Really yeah, but effective. but but uh, but now I think he's undermined no, uh, because this is this is so serious. Now you mentioned Elijah Cummings, you mentioned Elliot Engel. Now the reason why they're mentioned is because Cummings is chair of oversight and government reform that has to do with Trump's tax returns, his business interests, the emoluments clause, all those other things, and Elliot Engel's is uh, foreign affairs. So that's the Secretary of State, his involvement, state secrets, state policy or foreign policy, that role. Uh, I, you know, to me, and this is what, you know, going back to what we were just talking about, how broad should this be, is I think we're going to find some of these other pieces of information. And I would like to see some of these other, uh, particularly Engel, um, (laughs) another New Yorker, uh, in, in addition to Nadler, is uh, I think he could lead a really interesting. <laughs> no, uh, you know who I want to see lead this whole thing? What? Nancy Pelosi. That's who I think it should be. I think that she she comes for. She used to be the chair of the intelligence committee. Right. I think she should sit up there and it should just be yo. Here I am. I'm the speaker of the house. I'm taking over this committee. I'm taking over the impeachment proceedings, and it's my face versus that face. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he, Trump never goes at Pelosi in the same way that he goes at no, other people. He's, now he's afraid of her. Well, so good. So let's put her in that seat to be the leader of the impeachment process. I mean, I, I think that's a ridiculous idea that I'm sharing, but that that's what I thought. I was like, you know what, Nancy Pelosi, let the let the lady uh, lead the way. She's been leading the way the the entire time. But I think what what we're saying is underscoring the very treacherous ground that Democrats are on right now in terms of how they move forward with this. Because public trust out there is so diminished, this is unlike what happened with Nixon, where there was still underlying public trust in the system, which is why a majority of the public was able to turn against Nixon uh, towards the end of that impeachment process, because they still trusted the system itself. The system is, is so untrustworthy that I think you need to have more than just one or two articles of impeachment against okay. Donald Trump, if that's I- the direction you're going to go. I, I understand uh, your, your point of view about that. I, I want to talk just briefly before we get to the plea deal, which I, I'd like to get to. It's just, you know, when President Trump this past weekend tweeted about uh, another civil war coming. Yes. You know, that, that is a, a, a fundamental danger to our republic. The idea that our president of the United States is calling upon people who have guns to come out and use those guns is, uh, I mean... Uh, there's nothing. There's there's nothing in our recent history that comes close to this. It's, right, about a, uh, yeah, but, but but that actually is an important point because that is one of the arguments that have has been floated out there 
for trying to work out a plea deal with Donald yes. Trump to resign and just go away without being prosecuted is to right. keep his right to keep uh, yeah. his partisans uh, from uh, boiling over. So if this is and this is an interesting conversation uh, that, that that we can get into right now. If the, if he were to, from my perspective, if there's enough evidence and it is clear that he is going to be impeached, from my perspective, for the sake of the republic, I believe that. President Trump, if he could be completely pardoned and say, you know what, you you just need to leave and you need to leave on good terms with the nation and you will not be prosecuted, I would be for that because I, I, I think that the danger of a president leaving, holding on by his nails saying, this is, you know, I'm being, it's a coup. He could literally use the word coup this week about him. And if he goes out doing that, we could be looking at a civil war. Like a legitimate, you know, someone, you know, we're talking about mass shootings. We could have yeah. a thousand of them over the course of three days. Like it could turn into a, America could turn into a battlefield. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it's it's funny that you say that because it just reminded me of a poll that I did on gun ownership, I think a year, year and a half ago. One, and the questions I asked, why do you own a gun? You know, for protection, for hunting, whatever. One of the reasons that I asked was to protect yourself against the government itself. You know, to that, yeah, yeah. the government invasion. And I think it was about a quarter of gun owners said, yes, this is why I own a gun. This is who Trump's appealing to with that. Yes. That coup and that civil war talk. And I can see your point, which is if you can get the plea deal, you can get that. You can avoid the potential for this incredible violence that could happen. Incredible violence. By that. I, though, look at it from another angle, which is if you do give him the plea deal with all all the information that we know about not just his behavior, but the behavior of everyone around him, the Secretary of State, the Chief of Staff, the Attorney General, in undermining the fundamental checks and balances of the Constitution. And you say, and this is different than what happened with Nixon, when Ford pardoned Nixon, is that if you pardon or somewhere there's a plea deal for uh, Donald Trump, that how can then you turn around and say, okay, we're going to, the, the Constitution's back. It's fine. I don't think that you can do that. I think the con, if you do that kind of plea deal, and by the way, I don't know how you could actually do a plea deal other than a pardon by the next no, president. No, pardon by the next but, president. But uh, the Constitution, therefore, has been killed because there's, you can't have respect for the checks and balances anymore if you can say, yeah, you know what? We, we dodged a bullet with uh, that one, but... Yeah, but that, the alternative that, is all that, of us that, dodging that, bullets. Yeah, sure, yeah I literally, mean, literally jo- dodging bullets. Exactly. Uh, yeah, is, I don't... Is actually dodging bullets. So then it comes down to how can the Republic... It's amazing. Be, it's amazing that we're even talking that that's a possibility. It's 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 not amazing. It's it's, it's perfectly so, on... It's, but it's so sad. I mean, amazing in the sense of amazement well, that we're also, at that point. Small, that, small, little, small little point. Uh, when he tried to throw Mike Pence under the bus this week and said, well, you know, Mr. Pence, the vice president, had quite a bit of... Uh, he had some perfect phone calls, too. Yeah, he had, some, he had plenty of phone calls himself. It's so clever. Why? Because he's saying, you take me out, you're taking Pence out. You take Pence out, the next president of the United States is Nancy Pelosi because right. she's next in line. And yeah, so it's, it's, it's wicked is what it is. Yeah. But, but, I, but the evil the, genius, but the idea that, that we are talking about the idea of pardoning, uh, you know, when, when Nixon was pardoned by Ford, Ford said, you know, we just need to heal and move, move on. on. 
your argument, and I think it's a valid one, is pardoning Trump would be to avoid literal civil war. That yeah. is such an s- incredible statement about where we are as a country. This is exactly what President Putin was looking to do when he involved yes. himself in the 2016 election yep. was to destabilize our republic. He's done it. Not only that, just yesterday or two days ago, he was in Russia and someone said, are you going to involve yourself in the 2020 election? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to do that. But don't tell anybody that, yeah, of course I'm going to do it. Why not? There's nothing that'll stop me. It's a, uh, it's a horrible circumstance that we're in. Yes, it really is. And uh, the question is, can we avoid that? Can we lessen that? And I think the key to that is how Republican leadership gets involved. We already seen a movement in public opinion among independents, a little bit among Republicans, but the dam for Republicans doesn't break until Republican leadership comes out. Well, that brings and, us straight into our hot takes. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah. So go ahead. You can. So our hot takes are uh, where we take 90 seconds to talk about a topic of the day. And then when you hear this sound, it's time to move on to the next topic. So first up, uh, Ian, you wanted to talk a little bit about Joe Walsh. Yeah, so Congressman Joe Walsh, who's running for the Republican nomination uh, against President Trump and is being blocked by the president, as is Governor Bill Weld. I happen to have watched their debate, um, which took place right before our episode last week, but we got so whistleblown that there was really not much time for us to talk about it. Um, you know, I, I saw a change in tactic by Joe Walsh this week, and I, I wonder if Bill yep. Weld might follow suit, which is that instead of going after President Trump, who is just this colossus of the Republican Party, what it seems he's starting to do is starting to call out people of his party that are in Congress and talking. And here's here's one of his tweets that I, I was really quite taken by. He said, to all my former Republican colleagues in the House, President Trump told a foreign leader to interfere in our 2020 election. That's a gross abuse of power. Please put country above party and support this impeachment inquiry. It may not be easy, but it's the right thing to do. That, yep. to me, yep. sounds like a really strong path uh, to... I think for, so, because for, I would assume, well, Joe Walsh may be on the outs with a lot of uh, Republicans. He still must have some friendships within the Freedom Caucus, because he still has those underlying policy values, the ideological values that right. got him into politics, right? And he's still got to have some friends there. We know that all it do- takes is a couple of those members going, speaking out, and the dam cracks, the dam opens. And that, That's, I think, is a role for him to play in this it's a, process. It's a powerful role. And it seems like first he's he's sort of moving in uh, towards that movement. And I think that it's, I think there's intelligence there. So bravo to him and to his campaign. Um, okay, next we've got Joe Biden. And we're going to talk about, you know, what this all means for him in the Republican, in, in the Democratic primary. So what, what do you got there? You got some poll numbers on this? Yeah, so, uh, yeah. So one of the questions that we threw on at the end of our impeachment was, Donald Trump claims that Joe Biden put pressure to stop that investigation in the Ukraine. And we had about 40 percent of independents saying, yeah, I think that he might that might have happened. Now, I got some pushback from some crackerjack uh, news analysts on on MSNBC said, how can you ask that? So they're Joe Biden supporters and they were uh, upset. My point was in this question, which is this is how this is going to play out. Donald Trump is the source of this information. How does this information play out for Joe Biden? That's that's why you chose to use the 
Right. It wasn't a mistake. It was right. a, it was right. It wasn't because I wanted to know whether people actually believe this. I wanted to know whether people believe, believe this in the context of a campaign that Donald Trump would run about this. And no. it does suggest that unless Joe Biden fights back up against this well, that it could take hold. It, it could potentially I, I take hold. It feels like it already did. And unfortunately for, for Vice President Biden, a very kind, good man, seemingly, um, you know, one, one just superficial thing, take the sunglasses off. <laughs> when you're when you're defending, when you're defending your yourself, honor, yeah. when you're defending your honor, let me see your eyes while you do it. Because I mean, he's wearing these like Tom Cruise Top Gun, you know, Ray Ban glasses where you can't see your eyes, and he's saying, "I'm totally innocent. There's no there's no legitimacy to this. It's just not a very strong look from my perspective." Right. Now remember, uh, yep. uh, we'll move on to the next one. Okay. All right, so Kamala Harris. Uh, so she was on Anderson Cooper right now. Her campaign isn't really in a tailspin. She's had some major staff changes. But remember what she said to Anderson Cooper there and trying to get her campaign back together. Well, well, Anderson Cooper had a really strong interview with uh, Kamala Harris. She handled herself well in the interview. Then when Anderson Cooper asked about the staff changes, because the chief of staff from her Senate, um, from, from the Senate, is now coming to come and run her campaign, apparently. And she was asked by him, what does this all mean? And she said, um, well, Anderson, I don't know if you've heard, but I'm kind of moving to Iowa. And she kind of laughed about it and sort of like, you know, like this is what. And I just I, I, I didn't like that. I thought that that was a bad look for her yeah. um, to sort of say, you know, I, I understand things are going bad with my campaign. So instead of fighting for the country, yeah. what I'm going to do is right. fight for my campaign and move to Iowa because that's my best shot. Yeah, it's, it's how little, I took it. Yeah. Sounds a little was, desperate there, but there also there's been some reports now that that they're seeing an opportunity for her to move back to that prosecutorial character that that she good. Plays that's on what TV, we've been talking about uh, with this impeachment stuff. So I we'll see. I mean, but you I'm, know, her but the the numbers and her polling numbers have been dropping. She hasn't been you know gaining ground. It's. Uh, yeah, no, she's she been losing ground. I mean, she yeah. she she had that that nice jump after the exchange with Biden in the first debate, and uh, then where it really looked like she was going to be, uh, you know, one of the real contenders. And now, unfortunately for her, she's not found any rhythm that she can get back into in in the in the subsequent yeah. debates, and her numbers are falling. But falling as hard. as we were just talking about with Joe Biden, one of the things that I think Democrats are going to look at, they're not going to believe what Trump said. But they might look at it, if Joe Biden doesn't fight back well, they might be looking for another fighter to take his place, and she could be it. And it's still early because in 2004, John Kerry was at the bottom of the polls. Yep. Okay, moving on. So Bernie Sanders this week, unfortunately for, for him and for his campaign, had a heart attack. I mean, that's what it seemed to me. I mean, when they described yeah, it. That he, right. So, he, you know, who knows how serious it was? He had stents put in. We know. He had two of, stents put in, yeah. You know, folks at that age who have stents put in, who are back in, up and running in no time. So That's true, actually. Right? That yeah, is so, true. So if he does that, that shows, hey, you know. You know, remember uh, John McCain back in 2008, you know, he had suffered from cancer a number of times. He had that. Mm -hmm. He was still but he was still vital on the campaign trail. Uh, certainly there were some people who were worried about his health, uh, but he was vital on the campaign trail. And Bernie Sanders so, is incredibly vital. Yes, I mean, there's yeah. one of the things. And, and if he has been living with this heart situation, the idea that he's actually going to uh, be stronger. And, and actually have better oxygen to his heart. Yeah. I mean, he could go, but he could really turn, he could look 20 years younger. It, it, I have to say this. There was a Saturday Night Live sketch this past, I don't know if you saw it on Saturday yes, Night. Yes, I saw it. Oh my God, is that funny? Um, they really, uh, Maya Randolph, Rudolph really took it to Kamala Harris. But 
Larry David playing Bernie Sanders. If you haven't watched it, you did. I have. I've watched it twice. It was hilarious. If you haven't seen it, it is some of the funniest stuff. And Sanders is uh, Sanders is incredibly valuable in this nation. He's an, a, a valuable, powerful voice. And right before this health issue hit, there was some talk that he might be finding his way again. I mean, he had big, big fundraising numbers, huge fundraising Huge fundraising numbers. numbers. Huge. I mean, his, his polling has been static. Over the past couple of months with the suggestion that, you know, he hasn't been expanding his base, but he's been a voice that a, a decent number of, Repo- of Democrats want to and listen to. And if Warren were to fall, like if by some chance yeah. Warren were to, you know, a terrible scandal, something happens, Bernie's going to get a lot of that support. So and he's not going to run out of money. Okay. So he's going to be able to keep going. All right. Okay. So let's go on to the next one. We actually uh, you want to talk about Andrew Yang. I actually yeah. did an interview uh, with somebody, uh, a reporter about Andrew Yang and the interesting campaign that he's running raised 10 million bucks this last 10 million dollars and that that was a huge number uh you know andrew yang it's funny because he goes from having great days and then he has terrible days and we've we've sort of given him a tough time based on his last debate but he's talking about something that nobody else it seems is talking about which is how automation is going to change people's lives significantly now again there's no spot because biden's in that spot but if for some reason biden falls out we've always looked at kamala we said cory booker could you know find his way into that spot amy klobuchar but andrew yang you know he he, who knows it's it's not impossible he does have support 10 million dollars raised in that quarter is impressive yep he's going to be in this debate and he's also going to make it into the november debate he only needs one more poll to get there and i'm 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 pretty sure he's going to get there what i find interesting about andrew yang uh both in looking at his poll numbers and also having seen him in person is that there's th- that message there that's real and resonates. So it's about the a- automation. It's about the uh, dividend, the tech Yeah, and changing, changing the economic. That people can get, get involved people with. People get and, excited about that. And what I think is happening and where he is in the polls right now is a sign of we might not be ready for Andrew Yang this cycle, but we need ah. to hear his message and get that flowing through the Democratic Party. Wow. So you're saying next oh, cycle around. I get what you're saying. Then so you're it saying, might not be Andrew Yang himself, but we But would. it'll be like what Bernie Sanders is now, because right. four years ago it was all crazy Medicare for all, and now it sort right. of seems right. to right. be. Right. Elizabeth Warren would not have been possible Good. if Bernie was, Sanders wasn't you're, you're, here for You four heard years it ago. here first from the leader of the Monmouth Poll, Patrick Murray. Good point. Okay. So now, last hot topic is um, this, this next debate is going to be a 12 person debate. Tulsi Gabbard got in. Um, Tom Steyer, so, you know, and you know how Tulsi Gabbard got in at the last minute. Uh, yes, Mammoth University poll, right? And that's a, oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, so they're going to do twelve people on one one night. In fact, we asked Democrats what they think about how this should be handled, and they were split fifty fifty. Half said do it on one night, half said split them over two nights. So you really can't please everybody, uh, anybody on, on the decision that uh, the DNC ultimately made. So we're going to have another huge debate where. <sighs> The folks in the center will get more talking time. Those on the sides will get basically nothing. I know I heard Amy Klobuchar said she was unhappy with this. She'd rather be on a different night, even if it's not with the top contenders. Yeah, so why don't they split it six and six? Why don't they just say, these are the top six in the polls. This is the bottom six of the polls. Yeah, I think you could do that at this point. Of course you could. You could could. say, or five and seven, however you want to split that. No, six and six. Why why five and seven? Because the polls suggest that there is a difference. There's a cut point between... Five Harris. and six, yeah, between Harris and Buttigieg, and then the next set of folks down. So, but regardless, whether it's five and seven or six and six, 
Um, yeah, I think, you know, the idea is that, hey, look, we're in a we're in a period now where we know who's near or at the top of the field. Uh, so let them duke it out. And then on the other stage, let the other people make a case for why they should be in on the top tier the next, next time, time around. Exactly. Yes. Yes, I agree with you it. on that. I, I, I think it's a, well, I mean, maybe it's the Democrats kind of trying to protect Biden in a way, you know, and, and sort of make it so that he has uh, a, a little bit less of a battle that night. I, I don't know that that I'm not sure about that either. Cool. Um, all right. But let's move on now to our guardian of the week. This is someone who has put uh, their own personal political situation behind the hopes for the country. And uh, it's pretty clear who we went with this week. Patrick? Yes, the whistleblower. Now, obviously, the whistleblower uh, would have been on the list uh, last week. But we found more this week about what that person actually had to go through in order to have their voice heard. Uh, That they tried to go through this process, uh, through the CIA, through the normal channels, uh, started getting worried that uh, they were going to be um, they were going to be undermined, uh, and then took the other extraordinary process of filing a an official complaint after following all the normal channels that you would follow. So this is a person who did everything right within the constraints of norms of behavior for the institution and put themselves on the line. In fact, we now know that they are, are or we, it's been reported at least, that they are under federal protection for fear of their lives. As they need to be. And I mean, this isn't a situation like with a Republican who might stand up. Mitt Romney stands up and says that this is deeply troubling. And the next day, the president puts out a, a commercial showing the moment where Mitt Romney loses, right? So that's that's yeah. his downside. The downside for this whistleblower is that the president has now come out and said, called him and everyone involved with this, a spy. And you know how we used to handle spies in the past, which is chilling to our republic once again. Um, But this person, she or he, has uh, has stood up to that understanding that this is part of what may happen to them, um, and they're brave enough to put the needs of the republic ahead of even their own lives. So without question, I would have to say, I am in full agreement that our guardian of the week is the whistleblower, whomever they may be. Yes, and God bless them. God bless them. So that's it for this week's edition of Guardians of the Republic. Please make sure to subscribe to get the latest episodes on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And please give us a rating, please even a review if you would, so others can find us. And also, you can check out our website at guardians-republic.com. We're actually going to have a special uh, little piece from Ian. Uh, he gave a speech last week uh, for me, for an organization that we belong to, but it really kind of underscores the whole Guardian of the Republic thing and how we take that out uh, into the world beyond this podcast. So that's at guardians-republic.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at guardiansotr. And thank you for joining us. We'll be back with a new episode next week. See ya. See ya.